Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. Normally on this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter, but today, not today, <laughs> friends. Today we only have one master, and his name is Shai Halud. That's right. <laughs> we are talking about the bold new Dune from director Denis Villeneuve. I'm sorry for mangling that name, but there you go. My French is terrible. So, yeah, we finally saw it. It's yes. finally here. After all of this waiting, after all of this time, we've done it. We did it, guys. <laughs> we made it through. <laughs> we we waited. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I'm actually, and I was actually like really happy because I feel like the two movies that I wanted to see the most that were pushed back were this and Green The Green Knight, and they were both mm-hmm. great. So it's just like, yes. yes. <laughs> Vindicated. Yeah, so I I think like early reactions I think were more mixed than I think the general audience reaction has been. Like critics, you know, they're, yeah. that's what they're paid. That's what they're doing. They're there to have a critical eye. And even the first time watching it, I personally was like really, really was into the first half, and then the second half I was kind of like, eh. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, that was better. And then the third time I watched it, I'm like, holy fuck, this is the best movie. <laughs> I have only seen it the once because I saw it last night. Um, mm-hmm. But there will be more times. Mm-hmm. And now now that I've seen it and I know it's not, you know, that bad, I can put it on while my kid's around and I won't feel like she's going to yeah. be <laughs> scarred like some right. films I watch. <laughs> yeah, it's not like watching Possession or anything. <laughs> These nice people are just having a fight, sweetie. Right. Sometimes married people have fights. <laughs> sometimes married people fuck demons. <laughs> it just happens sometimes. It happens, you know. Honestly, I wouldn't put on like scenes from a marriage, which doesn't have any demons, but I'd still be like, oh, these oh people are God. having too much trouble. Look, I had to watch that for review. Oh, yeah, I have as not. Mu- mm-hmm. As no, much thanks. as I love Oscar Isaac, as much as I love Jessica Chastain, I'm going to tell you, that was, like, a rough fucking watch. Like, that oh, was I tough. Bet. Yeah, it really plays Mary Hobb with your emotions. Yeah. As does Dune. Mm-hmm. Because it's Dune. It's yeah. So good. Yeah. So let's talk about it. I mean, I kind of had, like, a lot of thoughts in general, mm-hmm. but I wanted to talk about, like, the look, the world building, you know, the visual world building, mm-hmm. the acting, the roles, the nods to the book, the nods to Lynch, because there, there were, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, let's get into it. Uh, I, first, I would like to say, first yeah. and foremost, that, Denis, we would like our check. <laughs> Because I don't know, because it's been a while since we talked about Dune proper. Yeah. Uh, but longtime listeners and anyone who goes who goes back will realize that we made a lot of jokes about the portrait of the old Duke, Duke Paulus, mm-hmm. that it was probably a painting of him dressed as a matador because <laughs> he loved those bulls and he got yeah. murdered by a bull, rightly so, because bullfighting is inhumane. Um, and sure enough... 
I'm sitting in the theater last night, and what do I see on the wall <laughs> of the palaces in both Kaladin and Arrakis? A painting of the old duke in a matador. <laughs> I said this earlier, but I was freaking delighted by how much, how many little nods to the old duke and the bull that are in this movie because i mean oh, yeah. you've got the little statue the you know the portrait and the bull's head there's the the headstone i mean imagine, like they really were putting it out there <laughs> imagine an etching of what killed you on your headstone yeah hubris not kills, guys. fortunate <laughs> enough to be killed battling a bull uh like, yeah, I mean, do? fighting an animal you have no business fighting whatsoever. <laughs> but if you die from a peanut allergy, is someone just going to put you fighting a peanut? It's just, I just want it to be me boxing like old timey fisticuffs with Mr. Peanut. He deserves it. Yeah, I mean, of course, Mr. Peanut himself is now dead. So <laughs> fuck that he guy. He resurrected? I still don't know what happened to that. Oh my God. Yeah, it was the first, it was Baby Nut. Which is not a thing that Mm-mm. anyone should ever say, let alone a fucking corporation. Naming anything baby nut is a bad idea. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on from that. <laughs> Please. Um, yeah, I love that imagery because I think that it's such a good metaphor without being too on the nose. Because, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day... He did die fighting a bull. And you can yeah. say, well, this is also futility, which sadly Oscar Isaac did not yell from a balcony. <laughs> um, no, but you could you could kind of see it, though. I mean, he had this very, like, you know, you could see his burdens on him. Yes. Yeah. Um, under his incredible head of hair and oh beard. Oh, my God. <laughs> I saw an Ugh. interview with him where he was like, well, obviously I'm not old enough to play timothy's father so i had to have a big beard <laughs> it's just like well true but all you, you are old enough so like let's not <laughs> right <laughs> like let's, let's all you know just acknowledge our ages i'm really not complaining though i mean oh no excellent choices were made like he really has to work hard to be to be someone that I'm not like, say, like even when he was Apocalypse and <laughs> no, the X Men, no, 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 I was no, kind no, of no. like, okay, you know, Apocalypse Wait, you don't could probably like get it. Thanos, but Apocalypse. Well, I just don't like Thanos like as a villain, and I don't think Apocalypse is a very good villain either. But no. he could still hit it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, this is. <laughs> Look, we've already devolved and we've been recording for like, you know, ah. uh, seven minutes. So um, I will say that the scene, even though I loved the scene of the two of Paul and Leto um, after he was visiting his father's grave. Mm-hmm. I Until they panned out, there was a part of me that was like, is Oscar Isaac on a box? <laughs> I I think he's fantastic. I adore him i adore he his is part. a short king he's a short king yeah. and i timothy chalamet is pretty tall yeah things considered i believe i I, so. I had the thought a few times watching the movie i was like he's taller than his mom and his dad there is just i was looking something up really quickly in my copy of dune and well <laughs> uh verifying something i did find a part where jessica is thinking about leto and muses about his tallness 
But she was wearing well, some killer heels, so. Oh my gosh, those clogs and those like John Fluvog type heels <laughs> she was wearing through the whole thing were Her space pretty Fluvogs. great. Yeah. Her immaculate train <laughs> that required oh, so good. two handmaidens. That was my favorite look in this movie. Out of all of the amazing looks that Jessica was giving, like that was my hands down my favorite. Especially, um, I think it just shows that all Conan's like a long, a long <laughs> drape. <laughs> yep. Mm. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Timmy and Paul. And I think he did a great job. I thought yep. he he did the same thing with Paul that he did with Laurie in Little Women, where he made mm-hmm. me actually not hate the character. <laughs> and even, you know, the parts of Dune that really annoyed me the most were like when Paul was sort of, oh, you made me a freak and, you know, just being a little, you know, a pill. But at the same time, it's like seeing it in this context, like seeing this film and how like truly awful those visions were, how truly scary they must have been and him Mm -hmm. being like, somebody help me. Like to me, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, like, of course he's going to be upset. Like, he didn't ask for any of this. He he didn't want to be this figure. He was mm-hmm. born into it. He didn't really have a choice. And it's got to be terrifying. And, I mean, hey, I'm converted, I guess. Like, I'm, well, I'm on board. And the scene where he confronts Jessica after mm-hmm. the Reverend Mother comes, I really liked that sequence because when she kind of half explains what the Kwisah Chatterak is... Yeah. Um, you can tell that he's really affected by the sudden idea that his mom only had him to fulfill this thing. Yeah. It was he's definitely a moment where I was like, Jessica, you need to right now be like, but I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to have a baby. And I love you. Because <laughs> she's basically like, well, yeah. So we've been trying for hundreds of generations to create this chosen one. Mm-hmm. Some people say he's around could be and he's just like oh great (laughs) yeah i mean that's got to be a really harsh wake up to realize that you know you you're probably just to think that you're just a pawn in this you know scheme that's been going on for thousands of years and they didn't do i will say that they also didn't do a lot to steer away from the audience thinking that if they didn't know mm-hmm. enough about the book because there is what I've always liked uh, in the scene when the Reverend Mother confronts Jessica and says, you know, you know you were supposed to have daughters. Yeah. She says full on that she had Paul par- yes, partially because she was like, say, but also because <laughs> she loved loves Leto and he yeah. wanted a son. And she says that to the Reverend Mother, who kind of brushes it aside because, you know, what cares she for human emotion? But um, <laughs> they did not have her say that in the movie. So it did kind of come across as, yeah, I was just trying to beat you guys this game. Right. And, uh, you know, so not super enthused about that because I do want it to be a little clearer that Jessica actually does care about this kid. <laughs> I yeah. don't want people to be like, wow, this cold bitch. But I... I do love the how how like integral they're making her being part of the sisterhood mm-hmm. like part of her like they're they're really like 
cementing that is like she is a Bene Gesserit first. Yeah, and, and she's I all think... this other stuff second. And while the book may not read that way, certainly, you know, not in parts, it, it doesn't come across that way. But I, I do like that they're sort of leaving her in this gray area because honestly, looking at the next two books, like Jessica does kind of live in a gray area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that a part in the movie that I really like that also cemented that was the scene that we were discussing uh, off off the air uh, <laughs> between Jessica and Leto, which is the part that I didn't particularly like in the trailer because in the trailer it's cut to where he just says, well, if something happens to me, will you take care of Paul? And it's like, well, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. what, a, what a weird question to ask the mother of your child who yeah. you know loves you and loves him. But in the movie, it is clarified because when he asks her that, she immediately starts to be like, um, excuse me. And he's just like, mm-hmm. not as his mother. Like, I'm, I'm talking to you, the Betty Jesuit right now. Yeah. And she can't answer. She did. Yeah. She she deflects like a, a true pro. <laughs> She's like, what's made you think of these things? What this isn't like you. And just <laughs> like absolutely straight up does not answer the question. And I was like, yes. Yes, this is like what I wanted. I wanted this like murkiness mm-hmm. to this whole side of Jessica. I want cause, because it is a way of like representing the sisterhood in the parts where the Bene Gesserit aren't in the story. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I don't know. I think it was a fascinating choice and I, I'm here for it. personally. Yeah. I also like that they have their little moment where she gave him a little forehead massage. Like, love it. <laughs> Yes. Rub the temples. I was very really relaxing. hoping for a sex scene, but I'll take it. I, you know, I was thinking about that because I was saying, you know, each adaptation of Dune, that's like the constant. I know there's only been two, mm-hmm. but it's the yeah. constant. There's one. I mean, it's not a sex scene. Like we're not, yeah. you know, but well, you in know. the Lynch movie, there's the, you know, the rolling around in bed kind of deal. <laughs> and then in the miniseries, there's at least the like aftermath portion yeah, that since it's a, a made for television, she's got a sheet over her breasts and he's fully clothed because that's how sex works. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what I thought was interesting. Sex with William Hurt work. <laughs> so um, sleepy, I can't take off he my can't, robe. Yeah, he's not going to take off the whole like the whole tunic and everything. Like, come on. <laughs> but I liked that they had that moment. But yeah, there was a part of me that was just like Jessica, like, hey. You're not helping your case here. <laughs> but I think that that's partly just, you know, that's that's Denis trusting us to know how babies are made. <laughs> True. Because there is an element to it in the other ones where it's just like they want you to know, like, see, they have sex. That's why she's pregnant. Like, no, I yeah, know I that. Mean, we did get that nice neck grab <laughs> where like, uh, Leto kind of uh, caresses yeah. the back of her neck and, and she puts her hand over his like. Hey, these two are still like they still fancy each other. They're still very into each other, and yeah. and the moment when they're arriving on Arrakis and you know he takes her hand. Yeah, I thought that was you know it, it's just a nice shorthand because he really did like pack a ton of story into this two and a half hours, even for not yeah you know only being half the half the plot. And I thought there were a lot of great moments that did just have real weight of meaning, even mm-hmm. though they were probably like throwaway to a lot of people watching. Like when they arrive on Arrakis, there's the scene where they greet Thufur, and mm-hmm. when he greets Jessica, there is a definite change in the temperature of his voice. 
Mm-hmm. Just like I am being polite. <laughs> and she's very, you know, she's kind of standing there like a like a statue, sort it's of like, like, oh, like, hello, you're you here. You may greet me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and that's really the only interaction that they have full on, mm-hmm. uh, except for the sequence where he's basically begging Leto to fire him. And Leto's like, do I look like I give a shit about <laughs> you right now? About your honor. Yeah, yeah that was so Which- good. I always thought like they they tried to take the life of my son was like very dramatic, but it again like what I love about this adaptation is how much context mm-hmm. they're putting into these scenes because like we finally get like a better context for that. He's like, I don't give a shit that mm-hmm. you're <laughs> embarrassed that you missed this thing. Yeah, like, I need you out there. Yeah, working it's on not this, about not you. You're groveling at me, right? It's this isn't about you. This is about my kid who they just tried to kill. He was just in his room watching videos because he has no friends. Right. I mean, there's Duncan, but Duncan is not around mo- through most of the movie. And I will say really that Duncan do. had another one of my great moment moments, and this is just me as because this is my whole thing. But so we do not, sadly, get drunk in Idaho. They no. skip that whole thing. You don't have the dinner sequence. Um, which I both understand. Because I think yeah. from some of the criticism or just the reactions that I have seen people have, I do think that introducing a dinner sequence full of people that have various like jobs and positions that the audience yeah. is going to go, who? Yeah. Like, this is already what? Yeah. Uh, is a lot. And they really don't have the plot line of Jessica being suspected of being a traitor at all, which is, again, fine, because I, I don't know how they would have worked that in on top of everything else. Right. Um, but I did notice that when Duncan rescues them in the desert, he does do, like, the big group hug. He is like, I'm just going to bring you in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, hugging. Paul's just like, oh, my gosh, it's Duncan. Like, we hug Duncan, my buddy. And Duncan <laughs> yeah. definitely goes for the, like, got to just slip this arm around your mom. I'm hugging <laughs> you both very happy to just be here that's actually one of my and i i know i reached out to you after you'd seen it to tell you this but just for the audience's benefit um this was probably one of my favorite moments of the whole movie and i think my favorite moment of timothy chalamet's whole performance because there is this you know, he's like, oh, thank God it's my friend. It's Duncan. Yeah. We're rescued. Like, it's, you know, this person that I love and trust. And, you know, up until this point, Duncan has pretty much been Paul's only friend. Yeah, you know, he's a the teacher only one and a friend. That he talks to a little more casually. Like, there's obviously, yeah. like, the training sequence with Gurney. But Gurney's not really, you're not there to give Gurney a big hug. Right. Yeah, he's uh-huh. not the big hug kind. But then... You know, after Duncan tells Paul and Jessica, like, I'm sorry, you know, the Duke is is dead. And, you know, Paul says, I know. And then Duncan kneels and says, my Lord Duke. And there's just this moment and it just crosses between Jessica and Paul and sort of plays over his face. It's like, oh, he can't be my friend anymore. Like, he's now my, you know, my I don't know what the term is, you know, sword master, my sword master, you know, he, he's like my, I don't want to say surf, but like my servant now. Yeah. You know, I'm his boss basically. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what it comes down to. It's like, oh yeah, now he's my employee. 
It's just like this one, just like their whole relationship shifts in that moment. And, and I will. The way he puts oh, his yeah. hand on Duncan's shoulder mm. is just like, <laughs> like he he's accepting the mantle. Like, yes, okay, I'm your Duke now. And it's also never going to be the same because even with Leto and Duncan, when Duncan mm. comes back from the desert and gives his report, it's not until after his report is over that Leto's just like, buddy, like, you know, it's work <laughs> first. Mm-hmm. And even that is less, that's never going to be Paul and Duncan because if nothing else, Leto and Duncan would have like come up together. Yeah. And he knew him before he was the Duke with their peers. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like, yeah, Paul's the Duke now and he's also a 15 year old where it's just like, <laughs> well, all right, kid. Yeah. Um, one moment that I did like just to give credit to Gurney, I did think that Josh Bowen did really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did a really great job. Um, I know a lot of people were like, oh my God, humor. I thought the I am smiling was funny because that's Gurney. Yeah. And it would have been, been a bad joke if he had smiled. Yeah. If he had done like a fake ass, like, you know, and it, he <laughs> looks terrifying because that's just a joke we've seen a billion times. And yeah. it's never funny, honestly. I I do love Gurney's like scripture quoting. I don't know if this yeah. is, you know, it, it was just a nice touch. I would have liked to seen him play the Balisette, but I'm but happy. <laughs> speaking of the Balisette, what I did appreciate was when. Uh, someone runs to wake him up when the shield walls have come down. He's sleeping in basically the barracks and the ballast is by his mm-hmm. bed. But I really liked that sequence of mm-hmm. him sleeping in the barracks because that's totally gurney. Like, you know, he's yeah. by his rank mm-hmm. and his like place in the court. He could have his own room. Oh, that's yeah. not gurney. No, he, he's there. And this is what the Atreides, like they're their whole force in general like this is what they do like they they endear themselves they inspire this almost like fanatical loyalty and you know there's the scene with Piter and the the sardaukar where he says you know like the atreides are the finest fighting force in the galaxy except for you and you know I you will really say- see that we do see that, and I will say that um, to to talk about the Sardaukar, um, we've been wrong in all of our discussion in Children <laughs> of Dune because Seleucus Secundus is a pig. Mm-hmm. I guess the place where, you know, if you're a Carino and you're, you know, in exile, you probably live in a really nice estate that has very high walls. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it all muddy. Like a- it looks like a quarry, honestly. <laughs> it looks like a quarry. You're getting daubed with blood by various Benny Gesserits. They're just everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Just doing whatever wacky, yeah. wacky shit is required of them. Uh, there's throat singing. Yeah. A very interesting um, take on the Sardaukar. I don't hate it. I actually thought it was really interesting, really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a really... I, I read a comment on Reddit last night that really made a lot of sense to me about how the Sardaukar are less of a, a fighting force and more of like a fanatical cult. That's, and that, yeah. Yeah, and that really makes sense to me. and Especially in this adaptation and the way that they're presented. Yeah, and I liked, because I, I think it also really tied into, because we don't hear a ton about 
the Sardaukar, but you can get mm-hmm. so many references and sort of implications just from that short sequence on Seleucus Secundus, because yeah. I guarantee that, like, the Spartans, they probably, like, give you a puppy <laughs> when you're a kid as you're raised as a Sardaukar, and then they're like, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Guess what's going to happen now? <laughs> um, because every single person that I saw there, I was like, you would kill a puppy that you raised. <laughs> Look at Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> they were pretty they were, I'm gonna say they were pretty scary. They I were very wanna, scary. I would not want to face them myself. I um, liked that Piter was very put out that he had to run this errand at all. <laughs> that is his way. He yeah. is put out by everything he is required to do. So, yeah. And um, he was wearing his little rain bonnet. <laughs> his little rain bonnet was so precious. Uh we had the great rain bonnet. We had the wonderful um sun parasol i mean there are so so many like great little touches in this movie that i was reading say enough about how good it looks i was reading that the parasol was just something that the makeup crew had given him yeah and then they were just like this looks awesome just hold on to that (laughs) yeah and uh, the director was like i love that let's keep it (laughs) i liked the breakfast sequence of jessica and paul yeah, although the casual throwing around of mom and dad was a little like, oh. Uh, I, I liked when it was used, though, because I mm-hmm. feel like there was a definite kind of impression that I got anyway, that because I noticed that, too, that mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I guarantee that if Paul was speaking to either of them in company, he would mm-hmm. say mother and father. Sure. But just eating breakfast when your mother is also trying to get you to do your Benny Gesserit homework when you just want to eat <laughs> what appeared to be like sweet potatoes, which A plus. Yeah, yum. Even at breakfast, I was like, ooh, are those like sweet potatoes? Delicious. <laughs> I got to incorporate that into my breakfast routine. Great idea, yeah. Trades. <laughs> um, I did think that the whole, I liked the sequence. I liked the whole sequence of the breakfast. I thought them mm-hmm. just drinking water at breakfast was a little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also think that that's funny because I have seen the obligatory people that think they're being really smart by just referring to Paul as Luke Skywalker. I guarantee you Luke Skywalker has never drunk a glass of pure water in his life. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> uh, he was raised on a desert planet, and I think we all know what he did as a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yeah, yeah. so uh, i liked that sequence though i liked i also liked his very teenage i have to get dressed up today yeah <laughs> what what kind of dressed up oh man <laughs> he's just like why are we going through all of this and she's like for the ceremony of it that's just the way like, this works I, just, I can't just wear like the military dress she's like nope <laughs> ceremonial like Dang it. <laughs> this day sucks. <laughs> but, you know, he wore it well. I love the costuming in this. Mm-hmm. And let's talk for a second about that scene. Um, hello, Emperor Harold. <laughs> hello. Benjamin when that guy walked Clementine. on scene. I know it's French. Yeah. Because I saw it on Wikipedia. Because, yeah, I've already been on Wikipedia for this guy. Like, hello, friend. When that actor walked on screen, I was like, oh, Okay. Hello. I, was I so see excited. that we're having a flawless cheekbone day. Oh, my God. Got it. And <laughs> I was looking forward to that sequence because I wanted to see the Space and Guild because we'd already seen shots of that. We had mm-hmm. not seen any shots of the Herald because they were like, we're not unveiling, uh, revealing this before anyone's 
watch this. Like, yeah, you're not ready for this. Um, yeah, like the emperor said, like let's let's send who's who's the most beautiful guy we have. <laughs> right. Bring me a list. Let me look. At, <laughs> send the pretty one. Let me look at the employee roster. No, 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 that one. We're gonna send yeah. him. Uh, I I like. I the, love this whole sequence though. Yeah. Because I loved, there are two things that really caught my attention. First, the Bene Gesserit sister, who is staring daggers at Jessica. Oh my gosh. And Jessica's sort of look at like, oh shit, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And then at the end of that scene, when Leto asks the Herald, like, so is it done? And he kind of looks at him as like, yeah, it's done. Like, yeah, I'm going to take yeah, this and go. All the context is in there, just in the, that short line. I also really liked the scene when they were arriving, when Leto asked Thufer how much it would have cost. Mm -hmm. And Thufer's just like, a lot. Like, he does the, <laughs> you know, he does the calculations, and it's like 10 million yeah. <laughs> solaries. So, and it was very just like... Very cool how they did the Mentat calculation thing with the eyes yes. rolling back. That was very neat. I think their eyes, if you haven't, I mean, I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't seen it, unless you just are <laughs> so fond of us, which is entirely possible. I mean, um, we are pretty great. Yeah. Their eyes, like, flip over white, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Because uh, I, I like that because the first time that we see Piter, he's just kind of doing that for no reason. Yeah. Like, he's just doing some thinking of his own. Like, all right, dude, like, you know. I don't really want to know what it is. No, thank Where you. can I find Samuda coming in this yeah. morning? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he needed. He needed some Samuda, and I think he would have been a little more chill. We all some Samuda, yeah. Uh, but, Paul was uh, kind of acting like he was on Samuda. <laughs> Although, imagine your dad telling you you have to start coming to his work meetings. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Like, just, oh, do but I? I think it was kind of a way for him to be like, okay, you need to learn this stuff anyway, but also I want to be able to keep an eye on you. And just, like, hang out. Because he's, like, uh, just ra rearing to, like, go join Duncan in the desert. And Leto's like, what am I going to do with this kid? I especially like that first he's like, Duncan, I really want to go with you. I think I should go with you. Duncan's like, that's how. Oh, no. No, little buddy. <laughs> not happening. No, thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, Lisa's like, you know, you're going to get me hanged for treason. And he's like, it's not treason if I'm asking. Like, come on. And then he asks... Leto, very formally, he's like, I, yeah. like, father, I want to put in a request. He's like, no! <laughs> yeah, Leto's like, are you fucking with me right now? No. I'm not gonna happen. He's just uh, kind of, like, out of the question. I like that you also get a really sweet coat when you're in House Atreides. Mm-hmm. Like seems that. to be required. Everyone... It's required, unless you're Jessica, then you just wear a variety of sweet cloaks. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I will say, Mm -hmm. My one fault that I find with House Atreides now is uh, one, and this is just this is a you know complication with the book as well, is that you have to vet your employees better because there's no reason that no one should have known that UA had a missing wife. I <laughs> uh, used to work there for six years. Yeah, someone at some point should have said like, wait a minute, and two, the bagpipes. I love the bagpipes. Are you kidding? I don't really care for bagpipes. So while I like them in concept, in, yeah. in, in practice, I was like, oh, good. They brought bagpipes. I loved it, honestly, because it, it does like 
call back to, you know, the Scots and, you know, the the battlefield. Like, the bagpipes are a battlefield instrument. I know. And it's just, I don't know. I thought it was such a great little detail to have I would have loved if one of those dudes in that big chunky armor just pulled out, like, a fife. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, the Atreides fife player. Like, oh, great. Yeah. I mean, those were definitely some doom bagpipes, but, you yeah. know. Yeah, it was not very chipper. Mm-mm. It's like, this is what we but play when we arrive because, places. Like, it sets a vibe, you know? It's like, we're here... Mm-hmm. This is a, you know, this is a battlefield. This might as well be a battlefield. So that's why I kind of love that the bagpipes came out first. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to complain about the bagpipes. I like them. <laughs> I do wish that we had gotten more sequences in the actual palace because we did not, we get barely any shout out mapes. Um, mm-hmm. We get the initial scene with her and Jessica, which yeah. was, was good. Um, I do like that the Atreides forces are co-ed. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because I noticed the, at first that Jessica's guard is a woman, but then yeah. when you see the sequence later on when Raban is uh, executing a bunch of them, it's men and women. And yeah. there were men and women walking around when they have a scene that where they're, like, all hanging out in the barracks. Yeah. Um, But after that, there's, of course, the scene with Paul and the Hunter Seeker, and then, mm-hmm. well, she's dead. Yeah. So I would have liked, I, I really like that whole sequence when Jessica's like, oh yeah, this is the head of the bull that killed my father-in-law. We have to bring that everywhere we go. And Mapes is just like, y'all are crazy. Seems yeah. like some white people stuff. I don't know what this is. Yeah, the size of that bull's head, like when they're boxing it up, it's just like, holy shit. Like, wow, great, we're bringing this. And I also like the sequence, because the sequence that I wish that they had had was I like the part in the book with Jessica and Leto where the one where he's just like, we have to hang them up in the dining room. And she's just like, that sucks. <laughs> I don't want to look at that while I eat. He's like, oh, well, it's too bad. Uh, but cause they both just like commiserate about how ugly the house is. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, wow, I thought I lost you in this ugly ass house. <laughs> she's like, I know I'm trying. <laughs> um, can we talk for a second about the, the Bene Gesserit in the testing scene. Yes. Um, I do like that tied into what you had said about the Bene Gesserit at the ceremony, who is glaring mm-hmm. daggers at Jessica, that while Jessica is waiting outside the room, she like looks over at the other two sisters that came with the Reverend Mother, and they both are, are just like, we're not even going to talk to you. Yeah. Like, she's... Like, oh, it's Jessica. She's really, like, she's apart from both her family and mm-hmm. her order. Like, she's not really, she doesn't really have a place in either. And that, I <laughs> I will say that it takes something away from a lot of, not the gravitas of that sequence, but the mystery when their giant-ass spaceship lands. Mm-hmm. And, like, 16 people come out of it. And I was just like, Jessica, how are you covering this up? (laughs) I mean, I get the impression later on, because Leto even says to her, like, you know, I let a lot of stuff go. Yeah. Because I know that you love me, and I know you love Paul. So I overlook a lot of stuff. So I'm assuming that they just, like, are like, oh, look. (laughs) That's a big egg-shaped ship full of Betty Jezera. We're just going to let that go. It's fine. Well, Um, I don't think that... I I honestly don't know that they would be allowed 
to be like, no, you can't come here. No, no, true. But just the fact of it happening at all. And it's just one thing when the Reverend Mother of the book just shows up at the gates and it's just Mm. like, I'm here. Whereas here it was just like, (laughs) I'm just going to wait out in the parking lot for this giant (laughs) spaceship to come down. Um, Yeah, I like that. I like the voice. The voice was very cool. I especially because I liked it when she was basically like, you're going to come over here. And then Paul just finds himself there. Because mm-hmm. he's getting all up in arms about her ordering Jessica out. Yeah. Which, good boy. Uh, yeah. I, the whole scene, I thought, was really great. Um, I think the testing itself, like, the acting that was going on on both sides was phenomenal. Because, mm-hmm. like... You have that moment where he's like, okay, this hurts. This really sucks. I don't like this. I'm going to cry and moan. And then, like, towards the end, you know, he's he kind of masters himself and is, like, has that, like, defiance, you know, mm-hmm. straightens his spine. He looks her in the eye. And you see, like, even behind her veil, you can see this, like, glint of fear mm-hmm. in her face. And it's and- so good. And that was something that I was like, this is not the make or break sequence, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to act like you're just randomly in pain. Mm -hmm. And there's real, there's a real possibility that you are going to overact like a champ in that (laughs) circumstance. And I don't, he didn't. What do you mean? Uh, The pain. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, we love Kyle. We love Kyle, but. (laughs) So much. But that so much. scene is very hokey. Um, and that's the problem. It's like, yeah, that's exactly the right word for it. That can go over into hokey because mm. it's just like, okay. And especially since it's so, it's such a general but personal idea. Like, what mm. do you think it would feel like? And like Paul in the book, you know, he feels like his hand is on fire. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks if he pulls it out, it'll just be a bone. But it's... Yeah, it's just like, that's so hard to do. And they intercut it so well with Jessica because we don't get a lot of what's going on with Jessica. Uh, yeah, because she's literally terrified. waiting to walk in that room and see that her son is dead. And I like that when she came back in, she doesn't even look up at first because she's just like, I could look up and there's just going to be a body. But nope, there's just a tall little young man. <laughs> that scene and then. The scene when they're in the desert changing into their still suits, I really mm. like that moment where she just like looks at him because she's just like that skinny little boy, <laughs> like, my pale little son, and he's the Duke now, and he's yeah. guiding us through this adventure. Like, but look at him. <laughs> like, oh. He's but, a little bird chested guy. I know. <laughs> they, one thing that I have seen a couple of complaints about, and, mm. and it ties into the testing scene. Is that apparently a lot of people are very up in arms about the fact that Jessica cries. Um, And I would like to just state for the record that I'd like to think of myself as a pretty strong person. mm. I cry at everything. I cry (laughs) at commercials. Yeah, same. I cried at a TikTok today. (laughs) So I don't think that it really says anything about how you can handle, you know, a tough situation. Sure. And I would also point out that the scenes where Jessica is crying, save for the one where she's with Paul, they they realize that Leto is dead. She's mm-hmm. by herself, which is when you can break down. Exactly. If you're constantly portraying yourself as this like untouchable mask. And I've just found it particularly interesting that the complaints that I have seen about that 
appear to be primarily from women. Yeah, weird. That they Uh, think that that's somehow, you know, knocking down Jessica too many pegs or... Yeah, like, hey, ladies, we're allowed to emote. Yeah, like, it's not, you know, it's sort of that same, on the same wavelength as, you know, you can be a feminist and a housewife, because the point is you chose it. Mm. You can be super (laughs) tough and super in charge of your whole, you know, been trained your whole life to be in charge of these scenarios and still have yourself a little cry when you think your only son might be dead. Right. I mean, she's a person. Yeah, exactly. Is the thing. She's a person. And I don't know it, if you know this, but robots are banned. She's a it, person. It also <laughs> helps that Rebecca Ferguson is an excellent crier. Mm-hmm. So, like, just bringing that in, too, is it's just like, you know, let's have her cry because look at her. Look at the I great job she, she's doing. <laughs> she did such a, I mean, personally, I think she did a masterful job as mm-hmm. Jessica. There's this, you know, like I said earlier, she does sort of exist in this moral gray area that's very, like, that's transmitted loud and clear throughout this whole thing. But you can see, like, what is important to her. And mm-hmm. you can see at all times, like, she could kill you in an instant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do not fuck with this woman. And I will say another thing that I think obviously reveals that Denise has been listening to our podcast <laughs> is that speaking of Jessica being able to kick your ass and kill somebody, Stilgar was into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, but you notice that little, you know, her putting her lips on his head. At the yeah, that was... Like, I was like, I don't hey. know if you have to like kiss Javier's head in order to like think about I mean, whether or not you're gonna let him you? go. But since it's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? I'm a widow now, technically. I cracked up at that first of all, I love the Fremen. I love the yes. way that they're this all of the Fremen scenes, flawless, but the scene where they uh run to the rocks and they're, you know, sort of Paul does the hand sign. Also love the Atreides, you know, hand language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we're not alone. Uh, and then you look and there's just a Fremen, like, sort of hunkering down behind him. Just out of nowhere. That was, I got kind of chills. But then you look and it's just like Javier is just like sort of reclining on this rock. Oh my like, God. <laughs> just like Mr. Casual. It was well, so like good. Well, coming into the meeting where they meet where he's just like, well, uh, that's all I came to say. Peace. That's all I have to say to you. Peace out. <laughs> Duncan, yeah, yeah. nice to see you. Your kid seems okay. I actually... And Paul's I'm like, glad- well, you know me. We met at that meeting. And he's like, yep, that we did. Uh-huh. <laughs> and? <laughs> I did. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because the moment at the end of that meeting when Stilgar is leaving, he kind of looks at Paul and he, he says, I recognize you. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think it sort of is a little bit of shorthand for hey you know what the Fremen also have a lot of dreams and sometimes they come true Um, they have their people that are so soaked in spice it has changed their molecular biology (laughs) like they can see bits and pieces of the future sometimes I thought that was such a smart little just a throwaway line and just it it just wrapped up so much about this these people and this culture i thought it was brilliant 
I just, his entire attitude of, well, that's super great. I've got to go. <laughs> Honor dicta- dictates that I am elsewhere. Very good. Peace out. Got to go. <laughs> yeah. Every time you see him on the rocks, he's reclining. Mm-hmm. He uh, is Jessica, you know, uses her little weirding way on him. And he is very like, say. Yeah, it's like, you didn't tell me. He's so delighted by it. There's just yeah, this know. air of like, what? You, <laughs> you didn't tell us you could do this. That's oh super cool. Like, gosh. he's already, like, they're literally, as they're leaving, when I guess it's Jamis. Yeah, we have been pronouncing it Jamis this whole time, but yeah. It is just like, no, I'm challenging right now. His whole yeah. air of like, I... I already said you're not doing that. Speaking of flawless cheekbones, let's talk about Jamis. But no, just uh, to really quick wrap up, I just enjoy that already, because then Jamis tries to be like, well, you got defeated by her, so why am I supposed to listen to you? And he's yeah. just like, you know, you can't challenge the Sayadina. He's already just like, look at her. Don't worry about her. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally going to offer her to be like my second wife later. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, there's a quick and easy solution to all of this. Um, <laughs> I'd be very, I, I've got to say, Jessica's a stronger woman than I. If Javier Bardeen yeah. was just like so. Like, oh, yeah. You want to be my second wife? I'm Whatever like, you're Pen- going to say, yes. Is Penelope still the first? Because I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is awesome. This is great. Yeah. Nikki Christina Barcelona, it all works out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so about Jamis, though. Um, Jamis. I feel weird saying that. I don't like it. No <laughs> anyway, offense, Anyway, about him. <laughs> the the little scenes with Paul um, sort of having visions of him as, like, mm-hmm. a friend will show you the way. I love that. And yeah. I love that he sees him in this way before meeting him, like, Maybe, I don't know if maybe Paul thought, hey, we're going to be great friends. Well, my, my <laughs> husband and I were discussing this after we saw the movie because we interpreted both like that in two different ways that I think are both equally valid because mm-hmm. his interpretation was very like yours, which and one that I've seen uh, talked about, which is that in a way, what he is seeing is accurate because Jamis mm-hmm. does teach him the ways of the desert. Oh, absolutely. And you know, he does, he will say at his funeral that he was a friend of Jamis. Mm-hmm. And my interpretation was also, like, I, I totally, like, think that's valid. But I also saw those as, once again, this idea that Paul can have, you know, prescience of things that aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Of paths that either don't happen or could have happened. And that maybe he was just seeing one where they were friends. Mm-hmm. And it's not you know, symbolic of the fact that, you know, he teaches them you have to kill or be killed. It's that there was a scenario where that didn't have to happen. Right. And I think that that is so interesting in the way that Paul's visions are presented. Um, I don't know if you notice this, but in all of Paul's visions and all of his dreams, like it's totally saturated with yellow. Like Mm -hmm. there's a different, totally different like color palette, different tone. Of all of those, all of the, and, and it does, like, do a really good job of showing, like, because you see, like, Duncan with the Fremen, you see, you see, like, 
Paul getting stabbed by Chani. You see a lot of different things that could happen. And it's like, Mm -hmm. is Paul walking in, like walking in blind, knowing that this could happen? Or are his choices like informing what will happen? I don't know. Yeah. Because that's the problem with seeing the future. Right. (laughs) We do get a cameo by a little baby Alia. Yes. Oh, it's so tiny. Little monster. Um, And because when he's telling his mom about the things that he knows. Mm -hmm. I I love that scene so much because he's like, I know you're pregnant. And he kind of like, she's like, how? I barely know. But then, you know, he kind of smiles at her like, that's pretty great, mom. Like, Like, I'm 15, so I'm kind of like, what is this about? Like, I don't want to think about it too hard, but right, (laughs) good for you guys, I guess. Yikes! I I (laughs) thought it was very, a very sweet moment that shows, like, hey, they're still a family and they still very much care about each other. And I think that's always, that's always, I think, really well represented in the book, too, because there's a lot of, you know, let's rest and you need to drink water because he's like pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I like that, you know. Yeah, even a 15-year-old is kind of like, well, this is a scenario where she should probably look out, and I want her to look out because that's my that's my sibling in there. Mm-hmm. Um, still wish she would have had time to tell Lito, but... Yeah. Yeah, that would have been nice, but... There was so much yeah. going on. Um. Okay, there's two more things I want to cover before we wrap it up. Uh, because we're almost at an hour now, but we I need to talk about the Baron. That's what I was going to move on yes. to the Baron first. Um, the other, I I like that we apparently were going back to the Geiger Well for Getty yes. Prime. There is a lot of I could see a lot of that influence yeah. in in Gaty Prime, where hair is illegal. Still Nobody the worst in place. Prime has hair. <laughs> yeah, no it one... still looks like the pits. No one ever wants to be there. I, I think that that's one of the reasons that we'll never see the Fenrings. Right. Because they never want to do that sequence where they go visit, they go see Fade in his tournament because no one wants to go to Getty Prime. Everyone's like, mm, oh, mm, mm. I kind of wonder if we will see the Fenrings on Arrakis, possibly visiting the Baron because of when. Um, the Reverend Mother tells Jessica we have other alternatives. If Paul well, but is, I mean, we didn't like, even get not a fade. the one. I don't right. want to see B- Dave Batista like in a leotard. <laughs> Nobody man. wants to see that. I love Dave Batista, and I thought I feel he like was... if you asked him, he would probably be like, "No, thank you." Yeah, I, I thought was... he was great as Raban, no, but he was. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he used to wrestle, so he's worn leotards before granted but they're a little different that i don't know what it's described that fade is wearing frankly at the end of the day i'm never quite entirely sure what style it is um i don't think it's a singlet i think it's like a full-on jazzercise leotard sure um i did like that with raban that they did not i feel like there is a tendency when you do the brute thing to also hmm. do the i'm he's very dumb thing yeah, and you don't get that sense at all. No, he's not He's not as quick on what's going on as, say, right. the Baron or Piter, but then no one else is supposed to be. Right. And even Fade's not. I mean, Fade's just winning by virtue of being better looking. Right. Um, and sneaky. And sneaky. <laughs> and, you know, like, Raban's not going to, 
you know, hatch any plans to assassinate his uncle because his idea would just be to like hit him in the head or something. Right. But like he he can keep up is what I'm saying. Exactly. He can be annoyed when his uncle won't come out of his weird bath. (laughs) As I called it, his olive oil and balsamic bath. Yeah. Like uh, that's what it looks like. (laughs) I was talking to you. Could you come out of it? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'll just talk to this goo then. (laughs) It's just the earlier scene where he's in, like, the steam bath, and you can yeah. tell Raban's kind of like, I have to stand here. You're naked in the steam bath. Your weird mentat is here. Like, <laughs> I, we got, we lost Arrakis. I'm really pissy about it. Yeah, like, I do love that Piter looks at him and is like, don't be so sure it's an act of love. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was a great line. Um, when it's a gift, I, not a gift. When you have to pay for it. Right. I it's like do... giving someone a dog. Have to say, I love this Baron. Like, love might be the wrong word. I was terrified of him. I found him truly scary. Like, this is the first time that the Baron has actually... Because he's not jolly. You know what I mean? He's not jolly, and he's not... He's floating, but it's in such an uncanny way, as opposed to... I'm so fat that I have all these little, like, balloons around me, basically. Mm -hmm. Where he just had that weird spine thing. Yeah. And just, if you're talking to an already terrifying person and they just start floating above you in the air, it's like, I, mm. no thank you. Yeah. The my Fuck desert, no. my Arrakis, my dune scene, chills. Chills. Let's, was, and so, if we're going to talk about that scene, mm-hmm. I have a bone to pick with you, Denis. <laughs> All right, is it going to be Arrakis? No, it's a... It's a it's a spider bone to pick. <laughs> Why? Why? Because <laughs> it's a Denny movie and there has to be a spider. I'm like, I am very afraid of spiders. And even the spider and enemy, I'm just like, well, this is very stylized. And mm-hmm. I, I get that it's a metaphor. Even the very end of that movie where it's like, that's a very frightening, realistic giant spider if it's in your right. bedroom, Jake Gyllenhaal. But again, it's like you are only seeing that spider because you hate women. So right. <laughs> I can understand this. I, I get where you're coming from, even though it's awful. Right. But uh, I mean, and I get I, I've seen a lot of theories about the spider. I think mm. it's personally just that he wanted something to show that Getty Prime is a cesspool mm. and they're getting up to all kinds of rancid shit. And he thought, why not make it a human handed spider? Because I love yeah. that. Um, I I do like that. And I think that um our friends over at Mwadib's Style Guide had a really good insight into that as well. Um that oh I'm sorry, I'm I'm totally getting that wrong. It wasn't them. It was someone else. Um someone on Twitter that I was talking to was uh <laughs> said for a second, like I don't want to be a bummer, but I think that might be Wana. And I was like, I think the Reverend Mother would take issue. Yeah. With that, but then we started talking about it. And I was like, if it's anything, it's probably like something that the Telexo made. That's where I stand on it. I think yeah. that it was they wanted a representative, like in like in, to put it into two separate contexts. Mm. In the filmmaking context, I think that, like I said, that they wanted something extra to show that they're doing weird shit on Getty Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh. Also, just because it made for a but nice little sequence where the Reverend Mother been... was like, get out of here. And yeah. 
Titers, it understands. Oh, it doesn't understand what we're saying, so it's fine. And then she uses the voice, and it's like I'm skedaddling, and she's like, "Yeah, see, it gets it." <laughs> yeah. Um, and two, but then uh, so in the story context, yeah, I definitely think that it was the Baron had that special ordered. Why I will not even begin to think to gross people out. Obviously, yes, that's the only reason why. <laughs> I mean, he's he he's not. This is the thing I love about this take on the Baron. He is f- sharp. He is sharp mm-hmm. as a blade, and like he is sharp. He is cold. He is terrifying. Like there is nothing about him that's like ha ha ha. You know, <laughs> like yeah, the I, other I, representations of the Baron, where it's just like I'm very extra. <laughs> and that's the thing is that like I feel like a lot of times the other represent like the other versions of the Baron, yeah, do tend to be just the sort of, like, the floating fat man, the Baron. Yeah. And you don't get this impression. You just get the impression that he's... He's an adversary. ...winning by virtue of the fact that the Emperor is helping, which is just help, granted, Mm -hmm. of course, but that he wouldn't be able to even get as far as he'd gotten without that circumstance, and that's not the case at all. Yeah. I think now there's thunder because God himself is like, are you talking about the Baron? <laughs> Yikes. Um, Yikes. But, a scary guy. Yeah, but like you really got this impression that, yeah, like his mind is always going and it's never mm-hmm. going anywhere you want. Yeah. And I almost feel like in other versions, they almost try to make it seem like so much of the stuff that's going on is Piter's idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, he's just there to help out with stuff. Yeah, like, Piter is obviously, like, Piter's not steering the ship, you know? Like, that's very yeah. much, the ba- the Baron is in control here. Nobody's getting anything on him. And, like, the the fact that Leto very nearly killed him with the poison tooth, like, that, to me, like, just shows, like, how, I don't know. God, that, you want to talk about terrifying, that sequence when he's just, like, on the ceiling, like, oh! like screaming. I was just like, I don't like this at all. And the people in, like, the, the like, freaking hazmat things are, are like, just like, oh, no. Oh, Do we have to no. deal with that? <laughs> how are they going to get him? Okay, now I have to be honest. I have to be silly, even though it seems terrifying. Like, how are they going to get him down? <laughs> Do they have to get a ladder, like a big hook? <laughs> just like, oh, sorry, sir. We're really sorry about this. Um, I know that I've seen some complaints that there wasn't more Piter, but I feel like, one, do we ever want more Piter? Yeah, I mean, Piter honestly isn't even in the book that much. No, he's just very memorable mm-hmm. as a character. And, like, that is always for good or for ill, because being a very memorable memorable character is why we get so many dang Duncan Idaho's. <laughs> um, I have, uh, so, like, and I part of me just also thinks that, you know, maybe they were just, like, Hey, David, what are you doing? Do you want to be bald <laughs> for a few weeks and be really weird? Yeah. And, and wear he a rain did, bonnet. He did a great job. He was a really good fighter. And just to be like, you know, our usual, we do love a good celebrity, whatever. Like, check out mm-hmm. pictures from the premiere because he and his wife mwah, yeah. looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I love him. I think he's, yeah. I just think he's a treasure. He's one of those, like, character actors that I really want to see, like, 
you know, break into bigger things, but just, I just love that he's around because, mm-hmm. like, between this and Suicide Squad. Oh my God, yeah. Two amazing performances this year. Like, yes. <laughs> so good. I hope his cat gets a little rape on it. Oh, Someone mentioned so that on good. Facebook, and I was like, yes, actually, I had not thought of that. But if he got a little polka dot man suit, he should get a little rape on it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I will say that the only scene that then, when they could have made it more comical with the Baron, is, of mm-hmm. course, the scene where he's like talking to Leto, where he's eating. But even that mm-hmm. came across very creepy because it's just the on top of him being like oh you know your pantry was really well stocked like this is awesome and you know mm-hmm. he's talking to someone who's paralyzed yeah and naked yeah and i mean that to me was a very smart way to do it because leto's like the atreides are dangerous they mm-hmm. they should you know and that was them like not underestimating their enemy and see i think that that's what the harkonnens all have over the atreides is that they they don't underestimate their enemy the way that the Atreides might have. Mm-hmm. Well, that's this. even what, you know, Gurney says to Paul after their training sequence is that he's just like, look, you're acting like, oh, the Harkonnen, they're all going to be gone and we'll never have mm-hmm. to bother with them. Like, you don't know them. Yeah. They're not people. Yeah. Like, they're all creepy as hell. <laughs> no one has any Although, hair. I will say they have great jewelry. I want always all of the jewelry that the Baron was wearing. That ring with the shield ring was. Oh my god! I did appreciate that he put his shield on when he was leaning down towards Leto because he was like, <laughs> "I don't even want to risk whatever you might do." Like I'm not taking the chance. You still got teeth. Guy. Yeah, I um, do like that he calls him cousin. Like you keep mm-hmm. a wonderful kitchen, cousin. I-, I thought that was good, and and like his speech to Leto, like you know, it ends tonight. Like this vendetta, we've been say- doing this for too long. <laughs> I will say that the one thing that was me kind of being like, well, color me wrong, was that <laughs> someone on Facebook in a group I'm in had shared just a screen cap of an article about, like I guess it was an interview with Oscar Isaac, or just he was interviewed as part of the article, mm-hmm. but the headline was something about him talking about his nude scene mm. in Dune. And everyone was making jokes about, like, now I'm going to see, you know, just saying, like, I don't remember that in Dune, but all right, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) And I was going to say something because they didn't provide the link to the article and I didn't feel like looking it up. Where I was like, I wonder if it's just about his work this year because he has a nude scene in Scenes from Marriage. Mm -hmm. But no. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. I mean, it's not the same level. No. Which is fine. There's It was a tasteful nude scene, but nude nonetheless. Actually, it was, like, it really was, like, so upsetting. Yeah, exactly. And I think that... Because he's so, he's so vulnerable. Yeah. You know, and... And he knows he's about to die. <laughs> I respect, and I also always respect the scene where he's wandering around when the shield walls are started to go down, because I respect anyone who gets up in the middle of the night and not only gets fully dressed, but puts on knee-high boots. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like those aren't a struggle to get into i also like that there was i know you know i always like notice stuff like this because i always think that the discussions that must happen is that every time up until the night that the harkonnens attack that we have seen paul asleep he's basically wearing shorts mm-hmm. except that night when he's fully dressed in like full right. pajamas which is fine because like they didn't want him running around the desert shirtless in a pair of shorts Sure. But it was just that, like, Jessica's also wearing, like, linen pants. 
in like yeah. a long shirt as opposed to just like a nightgown or whatever. Yeah, gorgeous pajamas, honestly. Oh, they were wonderful. But just I always things like that. I always find really funny when it's like the one time like, oh, something's happening and they jump out of bed. It's like I'm wearing full leggings and a bra. <laughs> yeah. I fell asleep wearing my bra. And so I'm yeah, fully that never clothed happens, guys. when this, when this <laughs> I happens. I tell you this. <laughs> Every other time I've been in like a t-shirt and a pair of underpants. But this time yeah. I fell asleep fully dressed. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. And it, it could be that UA put clothes on them too. Oh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> That's invasive, UA. Yeah. So there's just a couple more things I want to touch on before we wrap this up. Um, first no, of all... No, we're going to talk about Dune the movie forever. <laughs> well, we're going to have, just for so our listeners know, if there's anything we missed this week, let us know. Because we're going to do another episode on the movie. We're going to have uh, guest Clint Worthington come back. We love Clint, our boss, basically. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good egg, but he has, you know... He's someone who's, uh, you know, been in the film critic, critic work, you know, world for a while and has like a different perspective than us. So that would be good. And, you know, he's written a lot about film scores. So we're definitely going to mm-hmm. save the talk of Hans Zimmer's like bombastic. Like oh the loudest movie I've score. ever seen in my life. Like, I told you, I told you when you I left this movie, me. I said Hans Zimmer is a madman. But we're going to yes. Yeah, we're going to put a pin in that until the next time. And I swear to God, we will be getting back to Children of Dune at some point. But for <laughs> for this episode, the two the, the last couple things I want to touch on. First of all, I'm going to talk about Shai Halud because I thought it looked amazing. And I love all of the worm imagery in this yes. movie, even before we see a sandworm, like we have the guild highliners look like giant space worms. Um, amazing design. They like the massive size of them. This is one thing that that he this director like knows how to do and do well is he understands scope. Well, the fact that the Atreides apparently have to store their ships under the water because mm-hmm. they're so damn big. That was actually really cool. The I sequence of the ship, lot. like you see it, like sort of starting to surface under the water. That was really neat. Like, oh, we got to get these out from under the bed. Yeah, but I, I love all of the Shihalud scenes. I really like the size of them. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. But also, like th- towards the end of the film, when you know Paul and Jessica have like run you know run for the rocks right before they meet the fremen and and you know the worm comes up and it's sort of like it's looking at paul in in whatever way that sandworms can look or like sensing it or whatever mm-hmm. like you get the feeling that there is an intelligence in this animal in this creature like it's and not yeah i thought that also particularly worked because there, that was obviously like I think that was you know like supposed to be the focal point of the scene, mm-hmm. but I liked that sequence because it also showed that you can get on as many rocks as you want to, but you're never going to be entirely safe because if that mm-hmm. thing had wanted to, it still could have eaten them. Absolutely. It couldn't suck them out from underneath like it did with everything else, but it mm-hmm. still could have been like, well, <laughs> yeah, you could have just leaned down. 
Yeah. <laughs> and chomped, and it would have been fine. And speaking, <laughs> I'm assuming this is your final point, because speaking of death by sandworms. Yes, yes. this is my final point. We have to talk about Leah Kynes. Yes. Oh, oh, my God. My favorite performance of the movie, hands down. So good. Sharon Duncan Brewster, I bow to oh. you. You are amazing. Everything I love everything about this performance. I love everything about this characterization. Like mm-hmm. she was flawless. It was oh uh, so good. I you like- know she she has like this. I I said in my review for the spool like there's like a craftiness behind her. There's sort of like she has this like wary sort of you know mm-hmm. she's sort of sly. In a way that previous Leto Liet Kinds have not been. Yeah, and there was definitely more. I think since we got to see a little bit more of her out and about, as it were, that mm-hmm. there's more of this sense of, yeah, this person lives in the desert. Yeah, like you know, she she keeps acting as if she's not really one of them because you know, they ask if she's a fremen and she's just like, ah, eh, you know, I'm accepted everywhere. <laughs> And it's, you know, Paul, of course, who's ultimately like, I know you're a Fremen. I know you were you know, married to a Fremen who died. Mm-hmm. Like, I know all this stuff. Um, yeah. But pulled it off a lot better and was just so much more believable in this, you know, the fact that when she takes them to the old, like, ecological station. Yeah. Like, you could really feel that she's probably like, yeah, it would have been great if this had worked. <laughs> and then they found spice. Yeah, there. Uh, this is one thing that I really love about this adaptation is that there is a strong. They're, they're laying it out flat. Like y- you're not the good guys. Mm-hmm. Like there's no good guys here because you're still colonizers. You're still on our land. You know, when, you're when still. Stilgar comes to meet them. He says, "Look, we don't care if you come and harvest spice, but then you've got to mm-hmm. leave." Yeah. You know, leave us alone. Mm-hmm. get the spice and then stay in your lane otherwise and yeah. Leto has to say like well i can't promise that i'm never going to be in the desert because i mean i'm technically in charge of this whole planet and Stilgar's just like well you're not in charge of us so yeah. i'm gonna go yeah <laughs> like, this well, is my I, point yeah but i love that leah is like you know i don't see much difference between you and the other guys because neither mm-hmm. of you belong here this is not yeah. your planet like, a big part is always that the Harkonnens, basically, I believe uh, it's called malicious compliance. Mm. Because, yeah, they left them spice harvesting equipment and stuff, but it's shitty. Yeah. And, or they took half of it with them. But there's a point where they go see the spice silos that they're supposed to fill all of them, like, three mm-hmm. times a month or whatever it is. And they only have a handful of them left. And Leto yeah. says to Kynes, like, well, you're the arbitrator of this. Like, you were supposed to keep this from happening. And she's just like, oops. <laughs> she's like, honestly, I don't give a fuck about you or order them. Like, this is not what I'm paid to care about. And I don't. Yeah. She she honestly, like, her priority is Arrakis. It is the Fremen. Like, and it's very clear. Like, you know, you might be an all right person, you might be honorable or whatever, but you're still a colonizer. Mm-hmm. You still don't belong here. You're still an outsider. And I love that. And I think that she actually does this so well. And finally, like, you know, she's one of she's 
portraying this like caught in a between a rock and a hard place and she's doing it so well with so much nuance Mm -hmm. you know like she knows where her loyalties lie but at the same time like a paul is a kid jessica is you know an unarmed woman you know they're they've just lost everything she she understands and has sympathy for them but at the same time she's like i'm not (laughs) yeah you know i'm not putting my neck out for your ass and even when Paul tries to say, like, well, you know, the Fremen have these stories that mm-hmm. they could be talking about me. And she's sort of like, I'm not convinced of that yet. So I'm really yeah. not going to say anything <laughs> about that to you. Yeah. One it, thing you I will say. can tell that he's just trying it on for size yeah. at that point. Yeah. That I really liked about that whole sequence when they're hiding out in the station is mm-hmm. that, one, of course, is where we get, you know, Duncan having his big final stand. Oh, very good. Which was very good. Very good fight. And then... To I really just for the set fa- the sake of realism, I loved that when the Sardaukar are cutting open the doorway with the laser that they can't cross it on the inside because it's a friggin' laser. Because mm-hmm. so often in films when people do use a laser for something like that, it only works as far as it's supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> like it's in the it's cutting the door and it's stopping. Like this is like a full laser beam cutting through the door and across the room that they're in. Where it's like, well, shit, now we're stuck by this laser. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked that they have that sequence where the Fremen are making coffee. And then yeah. they realize the Sardaukar are there. And when the Sardaukar arrive where they just were, that you just see one coffee cup on the ground. Like, you know, they packed up and left. But no, they're all under the sand. So good. And we've seen uh, us, you know, the Fremen do that already at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. To show their yeah. fighting style, but like seeing it in practice like that, where they did that in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And seeing them in Paul's vision also. Paul's visions to me, like seeing the way that they're portrayed here, to me, very scary, like very upsetting. Mm-hmm. And I can see how, you know, when that tent scene played out, a scene that really bothered me in the book because he was such a jerk. Like, it made so much more sense to me now after seeing yeah. that. And like the scene where, you know, he's he's sort of having the vision of the ship like hovering over Kaladin and seeing all the like the legions sort of um yelling and he can't see who's in the ship yet and then he sees it's him and Chani and like then like fully freaks out. To me, like that I mean, like that gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's been some, you know, rumblings about how they changed Kind's death sequence, but I think this one was super oh, boss. Oh, so, so much better, yeah. <laughs> um, th- it was just, like, the whole thing, first of all, like, we got to see the sweet using a thumper and then getting out your maker hooks, like, straight oh, for your the ride. the hooks are so cool. Catching the woober. Yes. She was just waiting. Uh, I loved... The arteral spray of water instead of blood. Yes. Because they punctured her still suit. And just, yeah, the, you know, you you committed treason against the emperor. She's like, yeah. I don't give a fuck about the emperor. <laughs> I, I have one, one master. master. <laughs> and then just the slamming on the ground with the fist, just like, yeah, hitting the drum sand. Over here. Like, <laughs> aww. 
And then when she f- feels the like the sand start to sort of sink, she and her face is just like, finally. Yeah. Like, yeah, here we go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like, yes. It was so good. She was amazing. I can't say enough about how, no, so how good. great she was as Liet. So hooray, that worked out as well as we hoped it would. I can guess what people who are complaining, it didn't make any difference at all. It made it better, if anything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I really like, I'm super interested in seeing more of Sharon Duncan Brewster's work now. I think she's a phenomenal actor, and I'm certainly going to be watching out for more of her work I, I going just forward. especially loved that the scene that was in the trailers of her just kind of doing the smirk over her shoulder came mm-hmm. from when they arrive at the station, and she like says, like, you get some still suits, like, you get some coffee going, and Paul's just like, who are you to them? And she's like, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Wouldn't like, you like to know? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> My, my well, daughter's going to call you a little boy in about 20 minutes. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. Imagine having vi- so many dreams and visions of someone, and then when you meet them, they're basically like, um, I thought you were supposed to be hot shit, but you're not. She's just a little... <laughs> I love the way she, Ch- Chani is like, but you look like a little boy. And he's just like, what? No, I don't. <laughs> it was very good. I love I look Zaya, cool. So. I look like a duke, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm pretty... Cool. <laughs> well, I think that that is a good place to put a pin in it for this episode. Yes. Like we said, we'll be back next time with our friend Clint Worthington to talk more about this movie. We're going to talk about the score. We've got more stuff, lots more that we have not gone over. But, I mean, just first impressions, first first watches. Love it. Worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, you? absolute same i thought it was incredible i was so happy um you know this is i uh, got a really sweet uh text from my cousin who was saying that <laughs> he was just really glad for me that there Aww. was such an awesome ad- adaptation of a media property that i like really love that's awesome uh, because you know we've talked in the past about he's as we're both fans of sci-fi and fantasy, we've we've dealt with a lot of adaptations mm-hmm. of things that we very much enjoy. So yeah, they're not the easiest genres to adapt. You'd think they would be, and, but then and they're not. Dune, especially, we've said this a lot. Dune is not an accessible work. It's not something that's easy to adapt. It it sort of has defied adaptation up until now. And even though this was, you know. It was sort of, I don't want to call it bare bones, but it did, like, it moved really fast, and it left a lot out that was in the book. But Mm -hmm. did it suffer for that? No. I don't think it did at all. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and what gets me about some stuff that people, I I was going to tweet this today, actually, and then I didn't, but, like, I've seen people complaining that, like, they didn't mention Chome, and I'm like, do you really care that they didn't mention Chome, or you just want to act like, cool? Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Like, no one mentioned Chome because there wasn't a reason to. No one was ordering right. any rice or sharks or whale fur. <laughs> so we oh, didn't have time God. to talk about it. But yeah, no, I thought that it was just great. I'm very glad that I can watch it at my leisure. Yeah. Um. And so I watched it again uh, on Friday night while my husband was out with friends. So I had the house to myself. I blasted the surround sound (laughs) as high as it would go. It was very loud. I had a tall glass of water, if you know what I mean. 
and I enjoyed it very much. So I was eating nachos, but I was the only ones in the theater, so I was not <laughs> bugging anyone as I noshed on my nachos. I'm so uh, happy you got to see it on the big screen because I I think that honestly, like this is. There are very few movies out there that I'm like, oh, you have to see it in the theater. Yeah, same. But I feel like this is one. Like, it's it's totally fine to watch it at home. I, I totally enjoyed it. I was able to pause and like, oh, what was that that I missed the last two times I saw it? But just seeing it in the theater is such an immersive mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. That I really like. <laughs> that first opening line with the in the Sardaukar voice about yes. dreams. Like, you, f- it, it it's so smart because it makes you like, hey. Pay attention. <laughs> You're watching Dune now. Yeah, like, we're not going to hold your hand through this shit. <laughs> and so. What I also really liked that I think was just a small thing, but really, like, I was like, this is freaking awesome, is that when the, the sandworm follows the thumper and leaves Paul and Jessica, you can mm-hmm. hear water when the sand is splashing <gasps> against the rocks. That wave, like, it made, like, this amazing wave of sand that actually, like, Flashes like mm-hmm. water. It was so good. And um, we actually got like my husband got like sort of the double whammy because one of the trailers we saw was uh for Wheel of Time. So Oh yeah, same. <laughs> I was actually like hitting Brian <laughs> hitting my husband on the <laughs> arm. I was like, Ugh! he was like, Why are you hitting me? I was like, it's I'm excited. <laughs> I just kept going like, Well, what who's that? Like, what are they doing? Why is she doing that? <laughs> But Stick I have to be with careful, me, kid. Because he'll tell me. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. Oh, now it's too much. <laughs> no, it's well. too much. Back up. <laughs> well, guys, until next time, we're gonna we're gonna sign off for now. Um, as always, you can find us over at thespool.net, where we write about film and television. You can email us. Tell us your thoughts on the movie. We'd love to hear yes, what you have to say about it. Uh, weirdingpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter facebook instagram we don't really update those last two as much as we could but uh we're definitely active on twitter we have been very active the last couple days yes so reach out on twitter we love to hear from you guys and uh until next time be nice take Take your your spice. spice I'm going to have to figure out how to do that and start a car. (laughs) Oh, I don't know if my throat can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Bye, everyone.